For the average employee, it probably comes as no surprise that top management teams are out of touch with reality within the organization. But for executives themselves, it likely comes as a surprise because, well, they're out of touch. We explore this phenomenon in today's episode, including key ways in which executives are out of touch currently, and perhaps more broadly, why this is problematic, and what leaders should do about it. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, so <laughs> the executives are not all right. You know, they're just a little weird. <laughs> Indeed. So today we're going to talk about this this disconnect between executives, top management teams, those people, and the rest of the organization. And I think by the rest of the organization, it probably is, you know, people at the maybe even the director level, but certainly middle managers, frontline supervisors and and below. Uh, in terms of how they perceive the organization, how they perceive how things are going within the organization. There's a bunch of reasons why this is a problem, and we'll get into that. But one thing that we're going to draw upon, and we came across this great study uh, that at least highlights some of this. Um, it comes from Gartner. Survey, really. Survey, yeah, it's a right? survey. Yeah. So, you know, they don't share a whole lot about their methodology actually in here, but I think it does provide at least a snapshot of. Uh, how people see different issues in, in an organization. So this was done in August 2021. At least that's when they put it out. We put a link to this in the show notes, but it's called What is Work Really Like Today? Leaders and Employees See Things Differently. And you may be thinking, oh, yeah, no kidding. Of course, yeah, they everybody's do. like snicker, snicker, <laughs> snicker, Captain Obvious. <laughs> right. But what's interesting about this report is that it does share a few different ways in which executives are seem to be out of touch, at least within the sample that this uh, survey draws upon, right? So they come up with six different ways in which there's a disconnect between executives and the rest of the organization. So we're going to go through those because I think it's important for us to look at. It's important for those of you who might be executives to be thinking about and to maybe have a little bit of a wake-up call for yourself and if you're not an executive, you know, you might be thinking about how you might better encourage feedback within your organization, how you might help the organization see things in a way that's in closer approximation to reality. Yeah, there's there's something so myopic here, right? And that's that idea of like, I, I'm an executive. I go to work. I do the thinking. They do the doing, right? I organize the work. They do the work. And and you miss this piece of where you can be holistic and cohesive, where you're all on the same sheet of music and you're operating ethically because you can see. Because some of this stuff is the executives don't come down and give a rip about this stuff because in the end, they don't give a rip about their employees. Right. Mm -hmm. They're just a means to the end of, hey, you know, after this, I'll do my director role then I'll do VP. Then I'll go to a midsize organization, maybe. Who knows? Maybe pick up CEO. Like they're part the thing that's missing from that narrative is all the people that do work in these organizations. And I, I you know, that's just really sad. Yeah, yeah, it it is. So let's go through these and let's start with number one. And number one 
is that executives think they have a culture of flexibility. Employees don't. And I think I'd go beyond that to say that I think most executives say that they want a culture of flexibility, or sometimes they call it a culture of agility, different ways of, you know, culture of innovation, all these types of things. Uh, but, you know, this study suggests that, you know, there's a disconnect here. Yeah, the the, dis, the disconnect is so sad, right? So, oh, I can work where I want. Oh, look, I'm on the beach. But meanwhile, like my line staff have to show up at the office or something like that, right? So this is how big the difference thing. 75% of executive leaders believe they are already operating within this culture of flexibility. But only 57% of employees say their organization embraces flexible work, which is yeah. challenging because if you've got a kid, you're like, oh, man, they got a dental appointment. They got all this stuff. And I've there's not been an organization I've ever been in where the execs can't just, oh, well, I have this medical thing. I know. And they bend the HR rules. But the line staff can't make those calls or have those privileges. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting piece from this study is that they say that 72% of executives agree that they can work out their own flexible work arrangement with their manager, but only half of employees feel that they have that same privilege, right? Uh, so it's this idea that, hey, yeah, at the top, almost three quarters of these folks, they they feel like, yeah, I can work out a flexible work arrangement. I can do all these different things. Life is good. But, you know, when the rest of the organization, or at least half of them, feel like they don't have that privilege, that's a problem, right? Uh, because, you know, how you experience the organization oftentimes depends upon where you sit. And if if you're at the, you know, the pinnacle of that organization, yeah, you probably are able to work out better flexible work arrangements because you're in charge. Uh, but don't let that lull yourself into a feeling that that's how everybody is experiencing the organization. And then when you go out there and say, we have a flexible culture, we embrace this, they're just laughing, right? Uh, they're, they're snickering, maybe silently. Perhaps they're not doing this openly, but, but folks are probably thinking, yeah, you are really out of touch. Yeah, they're hating your guts, guys. They're, you know, <laughs> while you guys flip around doing whatever you want, they're day in, day out. And this is what, what will an executive do where it's not flexible? Well, they'll just go to another org. But we privilege this, you know, seniority with a bunch of stuff, not asking, hey, does this rank and file need some of this to do life right now, especially during the pandemic? Right, right. So number two on this list is that executives are better equipped to work remotely than employees. And what this study found is that in their sample, only 66% of employees agree that they have the technology they need to effectively work remotely compared to 80% of executives. Now, they're maybe they're dramatizing a little bit, little bit here because you could also say, hey, well, two-thirds of employees think they have the technology they need, which is not bad, right? Uh, but there is a disconnect where it's, hey, 80% of the executives see this as, um, you know, that they have all the technology they need. And this could be due to the nature of their work, right? If you're an executive, you're probably doing more work that you can be done remotely. A lot of that work is probably happening in terms of, communicating, decision-making, uh, other types of leadership and management activities versus if you're actually there making something or you are more uh, in a hands-on role, then you can't do things remotely. Uh, but there is a disconnect here. This is a one of those things where 
executives could have a flawed perception of how things really are. Right. This is one of those things where, you know, because sometimes somebody doesn't have organization wide views. You know, if you're in the trenches doing the work of an org, you may not know what the broader technology strategy is, funds, all those kinds of things um, to be able to really assess. So you feel like, hey, I don't have what I need. But one of the interesting pieces is only 59% of employees agree that their organization has invested in providing them with these resources. So that's really sad. You don't, we call this thing, you know, perceived organizational support. And part of that is, do I have the tools to do my job? Right. right. And if you're, if, if only 59, there's, that means there's 41% of people out there feeling that this org's not involved in my success. It, that's bad. That's just bad for your organization. So you got to have a project plan to, you know, find out what's really going on. Is this real? Do people really lack? And then communicate it. If there's enough, you need to be working with those people to where they feel fully supported. Right. And we've done podcast episodes on this before, but as we continue to deal with the pandemic and how work really changed for a lot of people during the pandemic, and then people coming out of that, hopefully at some point, uh, then you know we're going to have a lot more hybrid work, most likely. And in an environment in which you have a lot of hybrid work, well, people need to have the tools they need to do their job. And so this is an opportunity, I think, for most executives to do a little bit of soul searching and say, hey, you know, just because I have it good, I have this, you know, set up at my house where I can do everything and I can actually be more productive. You know, other people may not have that. And this is where you really need to put on your listening uh, hat. You need to brush up on your listening skills, do some work to figure out if people actually have what they need. And if they don't help them with that. Um, you know, I think we can oftentimes really take for granted and become quickly habituated to what we have in our own experience. Yeah, the, one of the terms I like is, and I don't remember who coined this, but hedonic adaptation. You adapt to your own hedonism. And you see like, so you get a big raise. Every You buy a bunch of stuff. And then, you know, three months later, you're not, that stuff doesn't make you happy, Right. And so we adapt to those kinds of things and get back to kind of our base level of happiness, no matter what's going on. Don't let that piece of our human psyche derail you from, you know, just making those smart decisions on what we got to do to support people. Now, number three, I find speaks to the other ones. These all are kind of very similar. Rank and file employees have lower trusts than executives. Right. So this study... Uh, in their sample, they found that only 41% of employees agree that senior leadership ask, acts in their be best interest compared to 69% of executives. So the executives think that, you know, the organization's acting in their best interest. Only 41% of employees have that same level of trust. And there could be a variety of reasons for this. It could be that as an executive, you have more knowledge about what the organization is doing. But it could also be that you're just part of that, you know, place of privilege where, yeah, the organization is doing things in your best interest because you are in charge and you're helping shape all of that, right? So uh, in order for you to have a productive culture in any organization, but I think especially when you're trying to work in a geographically 
dispersed environment, doing a lot of remote work, hybrid work, if you want to call it that, uh, you've got to be able to trust people and people have to be able to trust the organization. Uh, so there's going to be some trust building that needs to occur in many organizations, you know, if this is an issue. Right. When you come to the table with somebody, what kind of deal can you make with somebody you don't trust? Right. You you just can't get very far. And it's hard to trust somebody and build up that, you know, goodwill, good faith within an organization to build a solid culture if you don't feel that the person on the other side of that table's acting in your best interest, right? And it's some kind of like bribery over salary rather than collaboration for achieving the strategy of the company, right? Sure, sure. And trust is just so fundamental to any team, any organization working well. And, uh, you know, so I think executives need to keep that in mind that, you know, just because you feel like, you know, the organization is acting in your best interest doesn't mean other people are fe necessarily feeling that way. And, you know, when it comes to um, you know, rewards and recognition, another piece of this uh, study suggested that just 47% of employees believe that, em that employees who help the organization achieve its strategic objectives are rewarded fairly and recognized compared to 73% of executives. So 73% of executives, almost three quarters of them are saying, yes, we do a good job with rewarding and recognizing. And maybe, maybe I get rewarded and recognized. I see my, my bonus at the end of the year, but less than half the employees actually share that view. Yeah. Get those stock options. Oh, what about Fred down in accounting? Does he get stock options? Oh, sorry, Fred. Womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and this is this goes to the trust stuff. So a, a quote from this thing was without trust, employees may feel wary of sharing their honest opinions about how, where and when they want to work. And everybody's experienced that, you know, hey, if I speak up, you know, the tall nail gets the hammer, those kinds of things. And not being able to express your true feelings at work creates this dynamic to where we can't really see what's going on. Right, because people aren't honest in their responses, right? Uh, you know, so if you have a low trust environment, and you even if you're doing your best, that you send out a survey to everybody. Now, I love surveys when they're done well, right? You send out that survey to everybody in a low trust environment, and people are going to be like, "Well, I can't respond honestly to this survey. Uh, they say it's anonymous and confidential, but you know, I I, I know that they're watching. Uh, so trust is fundamental. Now, number four on this list. Again, this is from research done by Gartner, is that executives think they listen, but employees disagree. Yeah, you know, I think about my, my marriage. Hey, <laughs> yeah, babe, I'm listening. No, you're not. Right now, like, I mean, like, you're off in la la land, you know? And it's like when you have that perspective, like, this is like negotiations 101. You can't have that trust. Only 47% of employees believe leadership take their perspective into consideration when making decisions. Like Compared with 75% of executives. Right, because the execs are at the table making the decision. But it's hard <laughs> to bring all your followers and be like, come on, guys, we're going to go somewhere awesome. You're like, really? Because you didn't explain to me why it was awesome. And I don't even think you listened to me, dude. You know? Right. Well, and one way to show employees that you're listening is not just by asking and, you know, sitting there and absorbing what people tell you, but it's also through your actions, you know? So we come across organizations all the time where 
the top management team is like, ah, you know, I, we really want to listen to people. We want to figure out what's going on. And we want people's ideas and their opinions. And they gather all of them and then they do nothing with it, right? And, which is such a breach of trust. It wastes the people's time and their effort in providing all that information. They won't and respond to your surveys honestly after that yeah, because I mean, why would they? Right. After that, they're kind of like, okay, well, uh, the, what are we going to, you know, why, why do this in anyway, right? It just builds up that cynicism. And so one way to show your employees that you really are listening is that when they tell you stuff, you take action, right? Now, you're not going to be able to take action on every single thing that everybody across the organization uh, brings up. You know, sometimes sometimes they may provide ideas and, you know, complaints that really aren't warranted. Uh, but if there are big themes across those, yeah, you probably should do them. And, and you know, even if it's a uh, uh, an idea that isn't implementable or isn't something reasonable, you probably should acknowledge that it was provided and provide some, you know, some explanation as to why it's not something that you're going to do. Yeah. So number five, executives hear one thing, the rank and file another. It's like, <laughs> would you guys have different auditory canals or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they they kind of do, right? So um, 71, <laughs> 71% of executives agree Leadership at their organization has expressed a preference for work conditions to return to their pre-pandemic model, right? Okay, so se- almost three quarters of the executives think that, you know, leadership of the organization wants to go back to the way things used to be. Uh, only 50% of employees heard that same message, you know? So another piece here is that nearly three quarters of executives feel like their communication from the organization is honest and open, uh, compared with just over half of employees. So, you know, there's this rosy picture. I think the theme here across all of these is that there's this rosy picture that you tend to see the organization through as an executive. And you have to be wary of your perceptions as you get higher in the organization. Because, well, first of all, there's a lot of filtering that goes on as that information flows up to you. And you're just biased towards seeing things in a more positive light because you're probably more in charge than other people. Yeah, your employees can't trust you and your decisions when there's such a difference in perception of reality here, right? You know, so you're, you know, and of course, executives and a lot of people, at least this is my view, have a preference to, man, can we just go and pretend this pandemic never happens? Let's go back to where I was just making a lot of sweet cash and had my like world and work life dialed in, which yeah. now with all the change and stuff, things have to happen. And one of the things that executives regularly do subpar in is this communication and consensus building around what's going on. Sure, sure. Now, number six out of this, this study by Gartner is that executives feel a greater sense of purpose than employees. Now, we've talked on this podcast a number of times about the importance of purpose, right? We we go to work for a variety of reasons. You know, we go to work for financial reasons, of course. We go to work for social reasons. We also go to work because we derive some sense of meaning and purpose from how we spend our time during the day. And to hear that, you know, 77% of executives agree that they feel like they're a part of something important at their organization, whereas only 59% of employees feel the same. You know, that, that suggests that 
you know, okay, as an executive, you think, think you're part of something important. And, you know, I could see this happening because you, you have more of a seat at the table. You are involved in decision-making more. But you have to bring the rest of the organization along with you. And, you know, you're leaving, at least according to these data, you're leaving 41% of your employees in the situation where they don't feel that same sense of purpose, that same sense of belonging to something more important than themselves. The, the key thing with purpose is you need to make sure that your employees can invest their life in your organization. And that investment, it was worth their life. And if you don't take that special care with them, like that's just not a society or world many people would want to live in. Right. And, you know, a lot of this ties into the idea that you brought up a little bit ago, which is perceived organizational support which is this idea that as we participate in organizations, we develop these broad beliefs about the degree to which our work organizations care about us, as care about our well-being, and value our contributions. And there are a variety of things that go into that perception. One being, hey, does my supervisor support me? Does my supervisor care about my well-being and value what I do? Another piece is my perceptions of fairness, Right. And another piece is the organizational rewards and the job conditions. And so, you know, by dialing in those pieces, that's really how you can start to uh, create an organization that's on the same page. So I think these six items, right, this is a, a relatively current data set. Uh, and, you know, we don't know a whole lot about the methodology, but at least it suggests, and I think executives can do no harm by perhaps realizing that, you know, we may not have the full picture. The way we see things is not necessarily the way peop other people in the organization see things. So we need to be careful and we need to really communicate, over communicate. If you over communicate as, as an over listen, as an executive, then you're probably getting closer to something that's more appropriate. Okay, so we've talked about the current situation, uh, but let's talk now a little bit about other things that we've seen that are not necessarily just current stuff, but things that we've seen more broadly. Uh, in terms of executives being out, out of touch, the executives not being all right. You know, how many organizations, Chris, have we been in where we've come across uh, employees and certainly executives, and, and it just seems like they're not noticing people's efforts? Oh, my gosh. It's like, it's all over the place. It's like, did you guys not learn to be nice? Like, are are you so myopic that you only see your own efforts? For a lot of people, yeah. And that, but... You know, what's good is we, it's not that hard to just notice and recognize somebody's effort. Hey, Bill, I see that. Awesome. Thank you. Right, right. You know, another thing that we see frequently is that it, it's very easy to fall into this uh, false sense that everything is awesome just because it's awesome for you. <laughs> and just because everything's awesome for you, uh, you know, does not necessarily mean it's awesome for everybody else. You have to stay in touch with the rest of the organization. And this is tough. You know, I've been in a lot of organizations where there's just this filtering of information that goes upward. And this happens for a variety of reasons. It could happen because people just really don't feel safe to share bad news. It could happen because everybody's just trying to impress the boss. So they're only sharing the, the rosy version of things. Uh, but all of that contributes to an organization in which there's these two distinct and disparate narratives going on about how great things are versus how things really are. Right. And I'd say it's a bit of a moral failing. If it's awesome for you and you're just content with that and just navel gaze after that point, well, I don't know if you're really 
fit to sit in a managerial or executive role that has flexible work schedules, gets a banging bonus, and can do whatever you want. If it's good for you, that buys you a little bit of leisure and a little, little bit of tactical and strategic space. And how you need to invest that tactical and strategic space is in looking around and say, like, hey, man, it's good for me. Great. Let's take a pause and look around. Is it good for the guy to my left and right? What about the person over in the other department? You know, that's how you need to be investing that time to make sure that, you know, everybody's having it great. Right, right. Now, another thing that we've we've also seen is just a lack of adaptation to the current hiring environment where, hey, you know, you may need to do different things to attract the talent you need, right? And um, it could be in terms of being realistic in salary offers, realistic in expectations, all of those types of items. And, you know, sometimes executives get stuck in, hey, well, when I was hired or this is the way it was for me or the way it, people should just be happy to come in here and get a paycheck. Well, you know, that never was a really good thing. Um, and it's not just the kids these days are worse employees type of item. Yeah. That, that, what was that? That movie, Bye Bye Birdie, right? Kids, what's the matter with kids these days, right? You know, why can't they be <laughs> like we were perfect in every way? Listen, there's just not enough evolutionary time span that has passed for people to be fundamentally different as individuals no. now than 100 years ago. So if you can't, and it's the same thing in the military, Ben. You know, I remember showing up as a lieutenant. They're like, okay, lieutenant, here's your 40 soldiers. Now go do these missions. Oh, gee, boss, that was a great mission and everything. But you see the numbskulls you gave me? No, <laughs> you got to go win the fight with the people you got. And that takes actual leadership rather and developing people and creating culture. And all. that's why you're an executive is you get to do those fun things. Now, if you're just there for them, well, I'm just here for the cash, man. But I don't want to do that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, you don't belong in that role. You're actually wounding the broader organization. You can win with the people you have now. It's okay. That's right. So we've talked about these different ways in which there's a disconnect between executives and the rest of the organization. I think it's fairly clear that this is common and it's problematic. So let's unpack that a little bit in terms of why this is problematic. And I think the first piece is that it leads to bad decision-making. If you don't have all the information about how things are going in your organization, not only are you going to be missing things that are important for people's job satisfaction, but you're also potentially missing things like new insights about the market, about you know, new ways in which you could potentially be doing things internally within the organization. All of those types of things that could make you better as an organization, you could be missing out on if you continue to live in fantasy land as an executive. Yeah. And why do you miss out on that stuff? Because it increases the rift that kind of structurally exists in a lot of organizations between management and workers, Right. So the workers are out there seeing the world, having ideas. And if you're only one doing the thinking and deciding, you're not firing on all cylinders as an organization. You need to fire on every cylinder you have. And with that, you can't have a rift between the two. You guys are in a collaborative alliance to get things done, right? And, th and that kind of thing points to when you have that rift, you have bad decision-making, you're like, 
Why do we have all this? Well, it's your culture. Right, right. So oftentimes it's a cultural issue where you, know, you have a lack of psychological safety. We'll talk about that a little bit more probably in a minute. Uh, other types of trust issues and, you know, or, or a norm in which, you know, uh, truth comes from above and that's the only place where it comes from. Uh, it's not going to help you innovate. It's not going to help you adapt if that's the mentality that you take. You know, another reason why this this rift or this disconnect between how executives think and view their organization and the rest of the organization, how they view it, another reason why this is problematic is that it's just bad for your company brand, the reviews that you're going to get on Glassdoor as people are, you know, thinking about their employment and their experience of being an employee. And this is going to affect things like your hiring, your retention, other types of talent management issues. So I think uh, there's a fairly compelling case to be made for reducing this level of disconnect between the executives in the organization and the rest of the, the company. Um, so that leads us to think about, okay, well, if this is problematic and it exists, what should leaders do about it? Well, the first thing they got to create is a feedback environment. Yeah. This is an environment where feedback freely flows. So in places where there's not a good feedback environment, somebody says something, hey, Filson, I'm, I'm concerned about your work product here. All of a sudden, Filson's flooded emotionally. He's having a panic about what's going on. He's feeling unsafe and insecure. You're talking to Filson. Filson can't hear anything because his emotions on overload because he's terrified. Now think about your best buddy. This is your best friend you've had your whole life, or if you had a best friend your whole life. If that guy came to you and gave you some feedback, well, you don't have that same visceral reaction. You know, like Ben, if you said right before we walk into a client, you're like, hey, Chris, your fly's down. I'm like, oh, whew, thanks. You know, you've got my back. And a feedback culture is one where we feel like everybody's got each other back, back and that the comments and, and improvement suggestions and all those things are in everybody's best interest. Right. So it takes a lot of trust to have a good feedback environment. And so, you know, it's going to be a, if you're in a low trust environment, creating that feedback environment is going to take some work, right? Because it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem where, you know, do you have, do you have enough trust to have the feedback environment? Okay. It's low trust, but I need the feedback environment to increase the trust. So that's where you've got to really start taking some steps and over time, as a leader, start to build credibility. Uh, so feedback environment is all about getting good feedback from all different sources. So it's not just about supervisors telling uh, everybody else how they're screwing up. It's about suggestion flow and good quality communication flow about performance outside of the formal performance appraisal process, right? That you're having that good flow of communication. So it involves, you know, multiple sources of feedback. You've got to be credible as a source of feedback. Kind of like you were saying, you know, if your best friend tells you something that's, you know, maybe it's even more, uh, more of an issue than just having your fly down, right? It's something perhaps more You're always late when we're going to go out for a happy hour and it hacks <laughs> me off. So can you be on time? You know, all those there kinds of things. Yeah, but it's a lot easier for that to happen and for it to actually be received if the other party knows in the marrow of his or her bones that you have their best interest in mind, right? That's what really matters. And so 
there's a lot of leadership here. A lot of good leadership behavior centers around high quality relationships and building up that credibility. And of course, it also depends upon giving high quality feedback, having uh, a, an appropriate delivery of that feedback, um, and being available for it. So all of that, if you start to take those little steps as a supervisor, as a leader, that's where you can start to get those, get that better communication flow and start to reduce that disconnect between executives and the rest of the organization in, uh, in small ways that will add up over time. Right. One of the things, one of the ways that you can build trust is through delivery, right? Yeah. So when you get that feedback, like we said, like do something with those surveys. If somebody tells you, like get back to them the next day, hey, so this is what I heard you said, and this is what I'm going to do about it, right? Those kinds of things. And when you start stacking those successes and delivering on what you say you're going to do, well, trust begins to rise, which means feedback can happen more readily, which builds even more trust. And you're in this awesome, virtuous cycle that at the end of the day leads to a lot of profit and not just bottom line, but thriving at work and beyond the kind of stuff that like Ben and I are passionate about helping people do. Right, right. You know, it also reminds me of uh, how some organizations are starting to position uh, the whole activity of, for example, doing surveys and collecting data within the organization. Um, I have a friend who works at a, a large uh, company, and the way that they talk about that is employee listening. I just, I, I really like that, right? It's the, you know, it's the employee listening department or whatever. Now that could sound kind of creepy, right? We're surveilling you. Uh, but what it's really about is uh, making sure that you're getting honest feedback in a way that can help reduce this disconnect between how executives view things, and how the rest of the organization views things. So a few ways that you could do that. One is if you do actually have robust ways of looking at uh, you know, survey data, right? If you do those well, now I, I get it. Many organizations do not do surveys well. But if you do surveys well in a, an environment where people actually feel like they can be honest in their responses, uh, then you can start to bridge that gap. You know, and even, you know, we've done some work in some very low trust environments and we've done some survey work. And even in, in, in those environments, we have gotten some good honesty, right? We've been able to do it. Um, and so, you know, the, it really can be helpful because, you know, then you present that data, those data to the executives and say, look, here's how what people are saying, what are we going to do about it? Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's up to them to start building that trust, like you said, through delivery. Yeah. And delivery doesn't come for free right? Okay. And we're going to do something about it. You got to carve out time for this in your organizational space. If you have um, filled up everybody's day to the max, cranking out widgets, then that's the limit of your efficiency and capacity as an organization. Some of these human factors come off the rails, you know, productivity dips, but you're busy, busy, busy. You Executives have to carve out time for themselves and their team to gather the feedback, what do we need to improve, do better, build trust, all that kind of stuff, and then project manage this to done. Most executives say, oh, well, we'll hire a project manager and, and they'll tell us what to do. And the project mm -hmm. manager, they hire, let's say they hire a good one. They get the best one. And that person comes in, it's like, okay, okay. And then they don't know how to participate with the project management process. And then office politics and other things derail that person being able to herd the cats into 
delivery and consensus and stakeholder, you know, agreement, all those kinds of things. So that's a big gap that I just see in most execs, manager, director, VP, all the way on up, as they don't know how to be project managers themselves. And so they have a hard time equipping the multiple multitude of project managers within their organization to be successful as well. This doesn't come for free. You got to carve out the time to gather and get on the same sheet of music, the consensus building, all that kind of stuff, which means you got to project manage doing that. Mm-hmm. And then when you get those requirements of what we need to do, what what do we require the organization to actually change to get us to the other side from not so good to much better or from, you know, what good to great, as that book says, you got to drive to done with deliverables and timelines and progress communication, all of that kind of stuff. You know, another important piece here is let's say you are a leader, are you, you know, let's say both in uh, both in title and perhaps in how you behave in terms of initiating leadership activities, and you really want to bring about change in your organization. Maybe you have a little bit of authority, but not a ton. You're not an executive, but you realize that in your organization, your executive team is out of touch, that they are missing perhaps some key strategic uh, types of items, maybe some things that have some real impact, perhaps on how you're executing your strategy. Perhaps they're missing other parts about what's going on in the organization from an implementation perspective or just you know processes, resources, all of those types of items. I think there are still things that you can do as a leader to potentially help. You don't have to just necessarily throw your hands up and say, I'm helpless because I'm not in charge. I think that there are some things you can do. And number one, you have to come from a place of operating in good faith and from a place of uh, credibility, right? So if you are a person who has built that and you have a reputation for you know, uh, doing what's right uh, by, by being someone who is honest, um, then, you know, I think if you play your cards right and you communicate in a, an appropriate way, you can raise that flag and say, look, Hey, you know, here's what I'm seeing. I understand this is maybe how, uh, you know, the executive team sees things, or maybe this is what I'm hearing from you, but here's what's really going on. Right. And having that honest conversation. And I think most executives who are at least worth, uh, sticking around should be receptive to that. And at the very least, you as a leader, if you bring that up and it goes unheeded, and it might, at least you've done the right thing by attempting to raise the flag on something that's potentially uh, not going well. Yeah, that's a great point. And a lot of this is just being humans. Let's be real humans with the other real humans around us. That's right. So today on the Indigo podcast, we've talked about how the executives are not all right. We've talked about key ways in which executives are out of touch currently, and perhaps more broadly, why this is problematic and what leaders should do about it. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.